This is episode number 25 of Hebrews in Exile with Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. Due to the fact that we have been exiled, we've lost our culture, our language, and our connection to the Most High. This has given us an institutionalized mind in the areas upon which we've been dispersed, which has made it very difficult for us to return back to the teachings of the Most High. So let's talk about this institutionalized mind and how we can get rid of it and move the culture forward. And speaking of moving forward, Hebrews in exile, you know what we do. Let's go. This is Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And this is Hebrews Hebrews in Exile. Exile. Hmm. It appears that over and over again since Agent Orange (laughs) has been expelled from the White House... But during the four years that he occupied the seat of authority, it's like a fiction monster movie that's come alive (laughs) where this one man has all of this power and he unleashes all these demons come Mm. out of him. (laughs) <laughs> to do his bidding and what have you. Right. And now he's been destroyed and all these demons have recluse back back into him. Mm. But the residual that has been left behind has been a door that has been not close, but just has been kind of underground and silent with this issue of racism. Mm. And Agent Orange unleashed all these demons and gave them power. And now we as a people of color in the nation, and not only the nation, but the world, are conflicted by this aspect of racism. We're Hebrews in exile, and the problem that resides amongst our people is that they don't know that they're in exile. Right. That's that's a very true statement. That almost is... Reminiscent of uh, what Armanita Ross had said, which is Harriet Tubman. She said, yeah. she said listen, I, I freed a lot of slaves. I freed thousands of slaves. And I would have freed a lot more had they known they were slaves. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. So I'm listening to a radio podcast um, on a local station here in Sacramento. And they're having this narrative discussion about the aspects of what racism and what really happened to our people and the systemic outcome of that and how that has affected us as individuals because we have been disconnected in slavery. Families have been torn apart. Sons, daughters, mothers, fathers. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And people don't know who their fathers are, don't know who their mothers are mm. because of the situations that slavery itself has brought to bear upon a nation of people. Yeah. It's psychologically disturbing and it's brought about a lot of pain. And the gentleman that was talking asked this question. And he said 
to the gentleman or the people that were on the podcast in his group of people he was talking to, he asked the question, well, can this be fixed? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Can it be fixed? Hmm. And my immediate response to the question was no. Yeah, double H-E hockey sticks, no. But the gentleman he was talking to, who happened to be of color, said, well, you know, if we continue to fight and if we continue to, you know, do what we can, um, you know, perhaps we can, but he never did, <laughs> never did say it could be fixed. Right, right. Right, we can make an honest effort, but it, yeah, you're right. You never really answered the question. And I'm, you know, he was all excited about what he heard and all that. Mama so-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, she had good words to say about. And I'm going, you can't fix a situation if you don't know the origin of its existence yeah. and why it is. Right. And we keep missing the mark on why. Why and has it this happened? It seems like in this podcast, uh, Sean, we keep going over this. We keep <laughs> right. going down. It's, it's kind of like we keep going down this road back and forth and back and forth and trying to explain to our people why... It is the way it is, and to say to them, you cannot fix what the Most High has established as your long-range narrative of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just boils down to that simple concept. We've been talking about this being... Um, um, this being a history book. And, but if you don't read the history book, then, and you think that the history book is a spiritual document that can only be preached in church and then taken out of context and spiritualized for the majority of the time of your people that are sharing this information with you, mm -hmm. you miss the whole impact of what of what is what it's all about. Right. We've taken an instruction manual, a a an, a document that has been put together to show lifestyle and government and how uh, the kingdom of the Most High is to function, and we've turned that into a a soiree of of spiritualizing text, order in order to invoke a, an emotional response out of people, which has been totally taken way out of context, and, and, and thus it doesn't it it, it kind of exp lends itself as to why we are in a situation that we're in. You know, I, I've said this over and over again in podcasts and in congregation. You cannot legislate your way out of what our ancestors put us in. Yeah. We are, yeah, experiencing their their punishment. And and you know, you I had always said that our ancestors coming over here in the transatlantic slave trade didn't know anything about anybody called God or Jesus Christ. But then you pointed out this weekend mm -hmm. that the Portuguese... That's correct. For Portuguese in, I believe, 1484. 1484 is the first recorded, uh, uh, well, for lack of eloquence, they're kind of uh, colonizing an African kingdom. And the particular kingdom was in the Congo, uh, it was ruled by a man named Nzinga Mavimba, and he was the first one that was recorded to have converted to Christianity. Now, I'm going to say that one more time for the people that miss that word, converted 
to Christianity. They didn't know anything about Christianity. It was brought to the continent of Africa. It's not indigenous of that, of the Most High's land. Well, see, now we have another problem. Not only do our people not know the history of our forefathers and realize that they are connected to our forefathers, Israel, they also do not know where Israel is. Right. That's correct. So now if I tell you that the land that the father bequeathed to Israel as his land, which he said is my land, you can't sell it, you can't you can't give it to anybody, it's my land, mm. and that this land that's mine, I'm giving it to you, Israel, to, to as your inheritance to live in and be prosperous in. It's the land that flows with milk and honey. They don't have a clue that the Most High is talking about the continent in which that man was created That's in, correct. which is the continent of Africa. Correct. Man was created near the equator. That's a that's that's <laughs> yeah. That's a historical fact. Mm-hmm. And then you have to ask yourself a question. If the most high created man in a continent of Africa, then why would he why would he move him away from where he created him? Correct. Why would not why wouldn't he let let man um um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, populate and fill the land in which that he was created in, mm. which he did. Mm. Mm-hmm. Man never, the man that the Most High created never left the continent of Africa. Yeah. Except Japhat. That's, yeah, correct. Yeah, Ham, Shem and Ham. Shem and Ham stayed there. Stayed in the land mm-hmm. of Africa, and you have to realize that the land of co- the continent of Africa <coughs> houses houses many countries. Egypt's in Africa. Mm-hmm. Northeast Ethiopia Coast. is in the continent of Africa, right underneath it. Mm-hmm. So. With that being case, with that being the case, we look at scripture narrative in Davarim again, Devarim. <laughs> Deuteronomy. De- de- I mean, I mean, if our people would just would just study the history and understand that the history is talking about us. Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov are our ancestral ancestors and the 12 sons that come out of them are part of who we are Mm -hmm. from a from from the loins of shem we're hebrews now all people of color are not hebrews correct that's correct but all people of color that are enslaved in the four corners of the world are Hebrews. Yeah, there goes your tie. You know, and so if we look at Devarim chapter 4 and verse 25, which is only one of the one of the verses that 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 speaks to this issue, when you have had children and grandchildren lived a long time in the land become corrupt and have made a carved image, a representation of something, and thus done what is evil in the sight of Yahweh, your Elohim, and provoked him. Now, that's the line right there. Mm-hmm. Forget about made carved. Well, we didn't make carved images. Okay, well, that's okay. Let's look. But the issue is, done what is evil in the sight of Yahweh, your Elohim. Your Bible is going to say, done what is evil in the sight of the Lord God. Mm. And I've already explained the word Lord is a bad translation of the Masoretic text. The Masoretic text doesn't use Lord. It uses the yod heh vav which is the tetragrammaton, Mm -hmm. which is the the expression of the name of the Most High, which happens to be Yahweh. 
He says, I call on the sky and earth to witness against you today that you will quickly disappear from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Now, the Jordan is in the continent of Africa. The land that the, the and the, you have to look at the expanse of this of this of this piece of property that the most high that the most high has created man in so there's there's land there's a place in the land where where as a matter of fact they're they're up in they're up in Egypt and they're coming down from Egypt into the into the land they got to cross things to get into the promised portion of the continent of Africa, which happens to be South Africa, the lower portion of South Africa, which is the land of Canaan. So they've got to come through that to get there. So he says, so, he says, so, uh, he says, um, I call the sky and earth to witness against you today that you will quickly disappear from the land that you are crossing the yard and possess. You will not, prolong your days there but will be completely destroyed now here's the verse here's the verse that that capsulates where we are and this is this is the most high speaking to Mashe and the children of Israel our ancestors mm -hmm. he says Yahweh will scatter you among the peoples and among the nations to which Yahweh will lead you away and you will be left few in number. Mm. There you will serve gods which are the product of human hands made of wood, stone, which can't see, hear, eat, or smell. Okay? Now, we, <clears throat> you have to realize that God's are not just made of of wood and stone. They are also made by men. That's correct. The Greeks had gods. Yeah, quite a, a few. A multiplicity of them. Quite a few. Quite the a Egyptians few. had gods. Quite a few of those too. So it's not just a matter of of wood and stone. Which let me take a rubber trail real quick and interject. And both of those two. Uh, gargantuan nations. They both have a narrative of the uh, virgin birth in both of them. So just, I'm gonna just throw that in there, just just a quick little well, pop yeah, shot. and that's where we get where we get the the narrative of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, which doesn't fit scripture at all. Yep, you can find that in Egyptian I culture mean, and Roman. I mean, culture. when you when you go back and you read. Um, Matthew's dissertation on the birth of Jesus, and the birth of Jesus was on this way, on this, on this wise. Mm -hmm. um, um, there's a virgin woman who is impregnated by a divine spirit, right? And then it says, and this was this was done to fulfill the prophecy written in Isaiah chapter seven, where <laughs> his name shall be called Emmanuel. God with us. <clears throat> Two totally different. When you go back yeah. and you, when you go back and read yeah, Isaiah, Isaiah mm -hmm. when you when you read Isaiah, first of all, you have to read Isaiah before you get to verse seven to understand who Isaiah is writing to, who Isaiah is writing right. about. Okay? Context. You got it. You got to get the pre. You got to get the pretext before you can get into the body of of what's what's there. Mm -hmm. And you realize, and you read that narrative, and you find out. Well, Isaiah, the Most High, there's a king that happens to be fearful mm -hmm. in the narrative, and the Most High has told him that the thing that you have that you're being fearful. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. The thing that you're being fearful of. It's not going to happen. I'm going to send you a sign. Mm. But the king didn't want the sign sent. The most I said, that's okay. I'm going to send the sign anyhow. Right. I'm going to send a sign. And this is what the sign's going to be. And it doesn't say virgin. Oh. At all in the text. He said a young woman, a mm. young woman will have a child. That child's name will be Emmanuel, 
God with us. Mm. But you have to go back up again and read where it says that the Most High says to Isaiah, I want you, Isaiah, and to take your son, he has a he has an older son, take your son and go speak to the king and tell the king that this is not going to happen. Mm. Okay. Now, now the question then, who's the young woman? Right. Well, the young woman in the text that the Most High is making this prophecy to and speaking to is Isaiah's wife. If you read down further in chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 9, mm-hmm. Isaiah lets you know because his wife has another child, has a third child. She has she has uh, the first son. I can't remember. So I'm going to have to go back to the text to read it, but you can read it in Isaiah chapter 7. They're all there. And then there's another son that he mentions about. And then Isaiah says in, I think, chapter 8 or 9, he says, the Most High has used me and my sons mm. as, a, as a warning mm. to Israel. So the narrative in 7 has got nothing to do with the prophecy that's fulfilled in Isaiah about about Jesus Christ. Christ. Yeah, that has nothing to do with it. And and Isaiah's wife wasn't a virgin. That's correct. And that's a very key quintessential piece. So, getting back to where we were... Eloquently put, by the way, bravo, bravo. Yeah, well, without me giving, <laughs> without me, without me giving you the 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 scriptorial narrative, I've given you the I've given you the place to read. But I've also said this to you: you cannot have a discussion over Hebraic contextual scripture with a Greek mind. Yeah. Yeah. They don't they don't work together. Right. They're, 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 the Greeks and the Hebrews are diabolically opposed to each other. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, written, that's written in the book of Daniel. Yeah, that's why the Bible is so confusing you know, to people. Which I, yeah. which I ask my many friends, you know, those of you who have, your leaders that have been to, to the seminary, I call it the cemetery. <laughs> the cemetery, yeah. Because it, it teaches you death, it doesn't teach you life, because the Most High says, these words that I'm giving to you, they shall be life to you. Correct. Tells us and teaches us that Greece, Rome, Persia, Syria, mm. were all nations that are called anti in, in in your seminary context, they're called antichrist nations. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the narrative that you that your seminarians have. They're called antichrist nations. So if they're antichrist nations, which make them beast nations, okay. And if Greece is one of them, then it would only make. I'm sense. coming to ask you a very serious question. If it's an antichrist nation and it's a beast nation that's written a New Testament narrative and it's called Greek, there's something wrong with understanding why are you listening to a nation of people giving you a narrative that hates your Christ? It's such a strong argument. And that's, that's to all you leaders. Why? Why are you preaching a Greek theology that's written by a nation of people that Daniel defines as a antichrist nation that you learned in the sem- in the seminary that that's who they are. So, so you an- as is Rome. So you answered your question already. I'm going to tell you why. And the reason is is what you had said before. And your mind has been formulated to think Greek. You will interpolate it Greek. You'll spiritualize it. So when you actually get back to a Hebraic mind looking at it in its contextual manner, it you cannot deny there's there's a glaring contradiction that's there. But those seminaries, the cemeteries are set up to to lead you in the direction of Christ, 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 Christ. They're not trying to give you, at least from what I understand about it, 
and somebody can correct me, please, if they're giving you a well-rounded, this is Greek, this is Hebrew. No. <laughs> no. 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 Matter of fact, there's very little Hebrew taught in the seminaries. I mean, so you're already getting something that's skewed. You're not even getting the full picture. But anyway. So, when we understand the history of our people, and you ask me a question, can the problems that we're facing in this exile, and it's not just in the United States, it's oh, all yeah, it's over, all it's over. in the four corners of the world mm -hmm. that he's dispersed us to. As a matter of fact, there are more Africans dispersed into Brazil Correct. than there are into the United States. Correct. Correct. The United States is the second leading nation to which that a lot of the um, the father's people were diaspora too. Mm -hmm. Which is some, some staggering numbers when you look at them because when, you, when we look at the 1619 when the first Africans came over here as slaves on a schooner uh, called the White Lion uh, or a privateer called the White Lion. There were just 20 of them. And by the time that we get to full swing of slavery in 1808 in this country, there were 4 million slaves in the South at that particular time. So from humble beginnings at 20 and, and people kept continuing to come over, you know, but to 4 million, it's a yeah. lot. Yeah, it's a lot. But like Ed, you had mentioned, if you look at the distance between Africa and South America, that is the shortest distance. So it only makes sense that the majority of them went there first because it was the shortest route. And again, the proof is in the pudding on, on who actually did that because those people that are indigenous of the area speak that language. Now, let's go on here in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Verse 20, 29, there's a however. However. The Most High says, after he's going to disperse you among the nations and you'll be left few in number, he says, however, from there, from where, from the nations that he has dispersed you, you will seek Yahweh, your Elohim, your God, and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart. In your distress, when all these things have come up on you, in the last days, you will return to Yahweh, your God, and listen to what he says. All right. So now... Now, the, I get back to the question that the gentleman asked. He says, can this be fixed? My answer is, it cannot be fixed as long as we are in exile. Hmm. As long as we are in exile, whatever the Most High said was going to befall his people in exile is going to continue until he redeems them out of this particular exile. And prior to that, for they, Yahweh, yeah. your God, mm -hmm. is a merciful God. He will not fail you, destroy you, or forget the covenant with your ancestors which he swore to them. Now the question is, what did he swear to our ancestors? And what ancestors? Because he's <laughs> talking about Abraham, Isaac, and yeah, Jacob. Yeah. Abraham, Yitzhak, and, and Moshe. Moshe, yes. Moshe very being instrumental. Mm -hmm. So the question, the issue of, of being fixed, it cannot be fixed in this point in time. The Most High has promised a redemption. Mm -hmm. All through the scriptures, he promises a redemption of Israel to bring his people that he's dispersed out of the land to bring them back into the land. He's, and that's what he calls, he says, I will redeem you from the places I have dispersed you. Now, we have another meaning of redemption that doesn't fit the Greek narrative. Okay. Come on. Because I'm going to ask you a question. 
What did Jesus Christ redeem you from? And your answer <laughs> is going to be, well, he redeemed me from sin. Well, that's not what his father, that's not what his father promised. So if he's saying that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of Israel is his father, that's not what his father said. Right. His father promised redemption from the exile from the from the exile to be redeemed back into the land. That's correct. And that's that's all through the Hebrew scriptures that you that everybody carries to church with them every Sunday. I don't care if you're um if you're apostolic Pentecostal Baptist, Baptist yeah. uh <laughs> Uh, and funda- it, fundamental, it, <laughs> fundamental, whatever, whatever you are, if you evangelical, <laughs> if you carry a Bible to church with you, what I've just said to you is inside that Bible. That's correct. But see, what ends up happening is that you get taught this. I mean, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do a gut punch here. You get taught the same thing every single week. Which is again, if you do come over on our, that side of the street for the Hebrew side, all you're going to do is read the narrative, pick something out of there, and then pontificate on a particular concept. You're not teaching context. You're not teaching how it relates to a people and what it actually means. It's just, oh, this is a nice story. The Hebrew boys were in the fire and they had all kinds of, of fervor and, and this is how you need to hold true to God and that granted but teach what's happening why are they there they're there because of a particular issue they're not going to fold and decide to abandon their teachings of the most high because king nebuchadnezzar said you will bow down to the statue that i've built teach why they're doing it instead of trying to spiritualize everything i mean it's right there <laughs> Sorry, that's my soapbox. No, it's not a soapbox. <laughs> it's uh, we're we're only trying to get our people to to open their eyes and see what the problem what the problem is. Yeah, you know, a lot of our people are Catholic. That's true, and a lot of our people are nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And which we get back to the to what you said. Harriet Thomas said, "I could have, I could have freed more slaves if they would have known they were slaves." <coughs> the Most High can redeem more of His people if they knew who they were. <laughs> yeah, but if you keep denying who you are, and keep denying the history that has put you in the situation, you're never going to come to a resolution or a resolve of how it can be fixed. Now. To the gentleman's question, can this be fixed? It cannot be fixed in this world at this time, but it can be fixed. Who can fix it? The Most High can fix it because he's the one that orchestrated it. That's right. But if you don't believe that the Most High orchestrated, and number one, if you don't believe that God exists, then I, I, can't, there's, I can't help you. <laughs> right. But to those of you who have an ear to hear, and are searching and are understanding, this podcast is directed to you because it's Hebrews in exile. And what I'm trying to explain and Sean is trying to explain to us is why things are the way they are. Yeah. So we've had a little success. (laughs) Well, well, the little success is, is, is this. If you go to... Leviticus chapter number 26, there are at least uh, four stages in that particular writing that the Most High depicts to Israel in which that he talks about the sevenfold, uh, the, the calamities that, well, let, me, let, me just, let, me, let me just read this. All right. Let me read this. So where are we at? Where, where we're, we at? We're in Leviticus chapter uh, 26 verse 18. Okay, very good. 
He goes, he starts by saying, he says in verse 14, let's start verse 14. If you will not listen to me and obey my commandments or mitzvotes, if you loathe my regulations and reject my rulings in order not to obey all my mitzvotes, but cancel my covenant, see, now, the problem here is that you have been taught that these, <clears throat> that these commandments or these mitzvot that the Most High has given to us don't apply to us. They've been done away with and therefore another people. You think that what's being written here and what's being said is said about Oxenazi Jews. He's not talking about Oxenazi Jews, which I've tried to explain before. Oxenazi Jews come out of Japhat. Japhat does not come out of does not come out of his brother Shem. Mm -hmm. Japhat is the uh, the Oxenazis or the Japhat is the progenitor of the Oxenazi Jews. Mm -hmm. So he's not talking to them. He's talking to Hebrew Israel that comes out of Shem, which you and I come out of Shem. And you have to ask yourself a question. What makes us such a spiritual group of people? Why did grandma pray so much? Mm. My mm. grandma prayed. Why did you, my granddaddy pray? Why do you think your grandma and your granddaddy had such a spiritual fervor in, imparted into them because they knew that they were connected to a higher force and a higher spirit, which is which you call God. And I don't have a mm. problem. There are many gods, so but the all sufficient. If you ask them, well, what God said? Well, there's only one God. Well, okay, the all sufficient omnipresent, all-existent God. They right. are embedded with that DNA mm -hmm. within them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And over the generations of time and time, it has eroded away toward the children that are in exile don't have that same fervor. No, not at all. Not at all. And we go to church because we don't want to go to hell. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> <laughs> is that the only reason why you're going to church and why you think you're sinning because you don't want to go to hell? Right. Man. <laughs> There's some more study you need to do. Yeah, that, it, totally. It becomes a, a selfish deal when, when Scripture talks about it. So then he says, he says, so if you won't do this, then I, for my part, will do this to you. I will bring terror upon you Wasting disease, chronic fever, dim your sight, and sap your strength. Hmm. Now, when he talks about sapping your strength, you don't have a clue how strong your ancestors were. Nations feared Israel. The sound they feared of them. your ancestors. The sound of them. Just the sound, not, it, we heard them. <laughs> they feared, and the Most High said, because we have gone astray away from him, I'm going to bring this up on you, and this is the reason why, if your strength is sap, you don't have the ability to defeat your enemy. Mm -hmm. And I gotta tell you this, okay, your enemy is not the devil. Yeah. Your enemy puts his pants on the same way you do every day, one leg at a time. Mm -hmm. And he breathes. Yes. And he bleeds he bleeds real blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he is your oppressor. Mm-hmm. That's your enemy. In the days of our ancestors, the Most High would have given us the strength to just wipe them out. Just not even think about it. Just they're done. Right. But he right. said, because you you won't follow me and what I've given you, I've sapped your strength. You no longer have the strength to, to do that. Mm -hmm. And so consequently, because you don't have the strength to defeat your enemy the way that our forefathers did in this exile, you're trying to 
legislate your way into a change that can't happen because the most high has made it has made it thus and you can't change he says i'm not a human being right nor am i the son of man i'm not from man Mm -hmm. that i should lie Mm -hmm. or change my mind what i have said i will bring to pass that's right there in the in the holy scriptures right right so if I understand you correctly, and what you're saying is that no matter how much it gets better, so to speak, for your situation, whether or not laws have been instituted, whether or not social norms have changed that have become a little way more relaxed than they are now, that it's going to be here and until. So, so, you, so we make, you know what? It's like this. So somebody gives you a crumb and you get all happy about a crumb. Right, right. A crumb. Oh, I got a crumb. And that's, that's, you know, passing all the laws that have been favorable to people of color has been a crumb. Mm -hmm. Because the narrative still hasn't changed. That's correct. Yeah, just because you put a piece of policy in place doesn't change the, mi- change the narrative. minds of, of, of... And, and the sad part about it is, is that the people that are talking know that it's been a crumb and nothing has changed. That's right. So they passed legislation to free the slave. What changed? Right, because you were still getting towed up. What changed? That's a great point. Yeah, it passed. And what you're talking about the is... Emancipation, yeah. The Emancipation yeah. Proclamation was passed. What changed? <laughs> Nothing, because apparently it took at least two years for them to find out in Galveston, Texas, that they was free. So <laughs> ain't nothing changed. Nothing. Matter of fact, if you want to go a little bit further, in 1808, the last transatlantic slave trade was banned in the United States. You know when the last slave ship arrived? When? In 1865. Oh, how many years is that? That's, that's over 50. They were still getting smuggled in here, even though it was illegal in the United States. It wound up in Mobile, Alabama, called the Clotilda, if you want to look that one up. But... The point is, is just because a piece of legislation is passed, doesn't mean jack squat. Now, trust, understand, I'm not, I'm not trying to say to you all that we should just cower and do nothing. No, because, because one of the, in the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah writes, and he becomes, he becomes so, so fraught over the situation that Israel's in. And he he says, the Most High, you have done this. Mm -hmm. But then he says to Israel, do something. Do something. (laughs) Right. And, you know, so I'm not saying that we shouldn't do something, but as a people, what we should be doing in light of the... Things that we're trying to bring into existence in this exile to help us have a better life here. Have you gone before the Most High and offered any kind of supplication or prayer concerning the matters that confront us? Have you 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 mm. you, you mm-hmm. having prayer you having prayer meetings? What are you praying about? Right. What are you crying out about? Right. I got a situation. Mm. I talked to somebody okay. this week. Here we go. I talked to somebody this week. Oh, well, I, 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 I go, I go to this, to this, to this prayer house, and we, we pray every week. What are you praying about? <laughs> right. Because if prayer changes things and it works, what's changed? What's changed? Obviously, there's a problem. Either. You're praying amiss. Mm -hmm. You're praying to the wrong person. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) both of those. (laughs) And nothing's happened. Yeah. So what's changed? But let's go on for a minute. All right. All right. All right. So he says, I'll do all these. I will discipline you seven times over for your sins. Yes, if you go against me and don't listen to me, I will increase your calamity sevenfold according to your sins. (laughs) 
If in spite of all this, she refused to correct and still go against me, I will strike you seven times over for your sins. Mm. And if for all this, you will not listen, but go against me, then still go against, go, go against fervently. I will also chastise you yet seven times more for your sins. You will eat the flesh of your own sons. Well, that's mm. written in that's written in the book of 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 of, uh, of, of lamentation. Oh, lamentation too. But okay. let's go down, and there's 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 more there in in, in this in chapter twenty six. But let's go down to verse forty four. He said, "But in spite of all this, I will not reject you." when they are in the lands of their enemies. So in this exile that we're in, in this land, in this United States and other places that, that our people are dispersed, the most I says, I will not, I will not reject you, nor will I loathe them to the point of utterly destroying them, let's break my covenant with them, because I am Yahweh, your mm -hmm. Elohim. Rather, for their sakes, I will remember the covenant of their ancestors whom I brought out of the land of Egypt with the nations watching so that I might be your God and your Elohim. Mm. So the Most High is telling us in his word, in the historical writing, the God that created us, he's telling us what he did, why he did it, why the situation is the way it is. It's not going to change. There's no cry out to him to alter it or change it. But yet he's, to, he's not going to loathe us. He's not going to reject us, which means that, yes, we're having some success in this exile. That's correct. He didn't take away he didn't take away the genius for which that he imparted into us when he said let us make man in our image and our likeness. He didn't take away the genius that he placed in us to be creative. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and 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 what have you. We've got that. Yeah. So we're making some some progress. Mm -hmm. And all of the bad that has come about us has been taught to us by a people whose design it is to destroy us. Our black men, our black sons wouldn't be out shooting and killing each other if they hadn't been taught that by that by their enemies. Yeah. They That's wouldn't. not what we do. We're a royal people. That's exactly right. That's right. Even in this exile, we are still a royal people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we look at black history and we understand all the creativeness that's, that, that, that we have brought to bear that makes a, a nation a nation. You know, a simple thing like that is on every shelf in the grocery store around the world. <laughs> that you serve with every hamburger. Or something, mm -hmm. potato chips, man. Yeah, are the creation or the origin of a black chef. <laughs> Come on, man. A We're talking potato chips. Right, right. The simplicity of a potato chip coming Everyone. into existence. Mm -hmm. The creation of Hebrew Israelites in exile. In exile. Shaping the world still. We've had success. The mm -hmm. Most High didn't take our, our creativeness away from us. Mm -hmm. And he says, I will not utterly loathe you. I will not destroy you. But I'll remember. Mm. So can it be fixed in this world? Mm. No, it can't be fixed in this world. It can be made a little better. Mm -hmm. But we have to stop we have to stop dancing over crumbs and we have to get down on our knees and repent to the Most High for believing a lie mm. that's causing us to continue to suffer in this exile. Right. Correct. We've got to turn back and cry out to him and ask forgiveness for worshiping a God that's not him. Mm -hmm. He already told you he was a jealous God. 
Now, I don't know what you all think about jealousy, but everybody that I've known <laughs> has been jealous. The outcome ain't been good. Right. And it ain't a good feeling. It ain't like the butterflies. Mm-mm. So, I'm not saying not to do anything. I'm saying that with what we're trying to do, with passing, trying to pass legislation and do what it, we can make it a little better until our redemption. But we need the help of the one who placed us here. And until we, until we make the earnest cry as a people to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his name was not Jesus Christ. Yep, it's not in that narrative. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not pray to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. They prayed to the God who's mentioned and mm -hmm. said that my name is yod heh vav -Hey, mm -hmm. Yahweh, and this should be my name throughout all generations. generations yep. When we do that, right. things there's, there's two things that are going to happen. The first thing that's going to happen is when we as a nation of people in exile begin to cry out to the Most High, even in the point of trying to pass legislation, that will happen. But also there will be a turning back to Him. Mm -hmm. Because He says, then in the place where you are, you will, you will, you will seek Yahweh your Elohim, find Him, search from Him, and Yahweh will be merciful. He will not fail you, and then He'll He'll fulfill his promise. Mm -hmm. He will begin to destroy our enemies Correct. right before you because he can't lie. Mm -hmm. I want to lift a finger. So, I mean, that's that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at, at in terms of this. But our people got to realize who they are and who their ancestors are yeah. and who their real God is. Right. Well, this connection. has been Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And this has been... Hebrews, Hebrews in, in exile. exile. Shalom. Shalom.